Revelation 14, we'll pick up where we left off in verse 6. And I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth, and to every nation and kindred and tongue and people saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to Him, for the hour of His judgment is come. And worship Him that made heaven and earth and the sea and the uh, fountains of waters. And there followed another angel saying, Babylon is fallen, is fallen, that great city because she made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. And the third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If any man worship the beast and his image and receive his mark in his forehead or in his hand, the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God which is poured out without mixture into a cup of his indignation. And he shall be tortured, tormented uh, with fire and brimstone in the presence of his holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment ascended up forever and ever. And they have no rest day or night who worship the beast and his image, and whosoever receiveth the mark of his name. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. And I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Right blessed are the dead which die in the Lord from henceforth, yea, saith the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their works to follow them. And I looked and beheld a white cloud, and upon the cloud one set like unto the Son of Man, having on his head a golden crown, and in his hand a sharp sickle. And another angel came out of the temple, crying with a loud voice, to him that sat on the cloud, thrust in thy sickle, and reap, for the time is come for thee to reap, for the harvest of the earth is ripe. And he that sat on the cloud thrust in his sickle on the earth, and the earth was reaped. And another angel came out of the temple which is in heaven, he also having a sharp sickle. And another angel came out from the altar, which had power over fire, and cried with a loud cry to him that had the sharp sickle, saying, Thrust in thy sharp sickle, and gather the cluster of the, of the vine of the earth, for her grapes are fully ripe. And the angel thrust in his sickle into the earth and gathered the vine of the earth and cast it into the great winepress of the wrath of God. The winepress was trodden without the city, and a blood came out of the winepress, even unto the horse's bridle, by the space of a thousand and six hundred furlongs. Last Sunday, uh, we uh, spoke about the Lamb standing in His power and His glory today and the 144,000 with Him, which is a picture of the raptured saints of God in heaven. The, I don't understand, I, I, I can't fathom how someone can read the book of Revelation as a sequence of events because... If we counted up all the three and a half year periods to this point, uh, we'd be about ten and a half, maybe fourteen. We'd be uh, quite a few years in. And this would be about his fifth coming. <laughs> uh, because what we have is we have the writer 
as we've said from the very beginning, showing us different things from different aspects and giving a different emphasis to each one. They're all happening together, uh, but giving a different emphasis. In verses 6 through 7, we see that the gospel goes out to the whole world. And this is what happens prior to the what we would call the rapture. I, I, I do see the, uh, the picture of the raptured saints, and, and we're going to use the outline from the book. It's a good outline on this. Uh, sometimes I use it, sometimes I don't. Uh, I, I usually refer to it. And, uh, and I use a lot of preacher's outlines. And as you see me go through these outlines, you'll know that uh, an outline's just that. It's an outline. It, it doesn't cover everything. Uh, and we certainly add to it. But here we see uh, the gospel uh, that warns men of judgment. Look with me down here in, in verse 6. Saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach. This is picture. Uh, of course, uh, we know that we preach the gospel, not the angelic host. Uh, I want us to note something here. It's the everlasting gospel. It's the eternal gospel. The same gospel that we preach is in the New Testament is the same gospel that they preached in the Old Testament. We just have a more clear revelation of that gospel. In the Old Testament, they were shadows and signs of the things that were to come. Sometimes people say, what's the difference between our ministry and John the Baptist's ministry? Really, there's the only difference is the comings. John came to make a people ready, to make a people ready for the coming of the Lord. That's what we're to do. We are to preach to make a people ready for the coming of the Lord. And what was his message? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, at hand means it could be immediately right now, or it can mean it's the next major event at hand. John pointed towards his first coming. We point towards his second coming. And the gospel is the everlasting gospel. That's one reason, uh, you know, I haven't given a lot of story behind this, but, you know, Lord, after I was called to preach, uh, well, after I was called a pastor, let's say that, I was called a pastor, uh, preacher asked me, he said, what do you believe about the second covenant? I said, I, I believe in it. Well, what, what do you mean you believe in it? I believe the Lord's coming again. And uh, I said, well, you got to know a little bit more than that. And I said, well, I believe the Lord's coming again. I believe it can be any day now. And uh, I believe He's going to give the saints heaven and give the uh, the the lost hell. Well, you still got to believe a little bit more than that. So, uh, you know, I went to my parents who I didn't even know their position at the time, really. I knew it was a little different my pastors, but I didn't know it. Years earlier, I'd gone to Bible college and they were always fighting over the doctrine of the second coming. I just kind of stayed away from it. So I went to a good friend of mine and I said, I believe, you know, uh, a man I respected a lot, and he, he gave me, and I said, I'm studying this out about the doctrine of the second coming. He said, okay. And he gave me, uh, he gave me a book by, by uh, Larkin. He gave me a book by Dwight Pentecost. He gave me a book by uh, Ryrie. And I got to looking at this book, and it said seven ages or seven dispensations. And then it, it basically said this, God wanted to save Adam one way, but because Adam rebelled, God changed his plan. Now he's saving man this way under Noah. But because Noah and them after that, after Noah's generation, he didn't do right. Uh, and man rejected it ultimately. God changed his plan. And then he wanted to save, so he wanted to save by grace. 
Then he wanted to say by faith under Abraham, but because men didn't do it by faith, God changed his plan, his plan of salvation. And because because of, uh, of this, because men wouldn't do it just by faith, he had to send Moses to, to, to because you people are a problem. And he had to clamp down on the law and they didn't want to do that. And when it came to Jesus Christ, he wanted to save the Jews just by receiving them and he never would have had to gone to the cross. They would have just received him and the millennial kingdom would have started and Israel would have been great. But God didn't, the man rejected him And so God looked over and decided that he was going to save the Gentiles to make make the the Jews jealous. And then one day, uh, that jealousy will cause the Jews, he's going to put them in a situation where they can't say no to him. And then his ultimate plan will happen. Well, I read that and I said, God sounds like me in middle school. I, I was doped over this girl Valentina, and uh, uh, and uh, and the football coach came up to me and said, "Son, you need to run the reverse." I said, "What's that?" And said, "Her friend is really liking you," and said, uh, "And she ain't paying attention to you. Pay attention to her friend and see what happens." Well, I made Valentina jealous. So I started paying attention to her friend. I can't even remember her friend his <laughs> name, uh, but uh, I made her jealous. And I got what I was looking for. And they, they really believed that. Seven different ways. And then now when God gets done with us here, as Gentiles, He's going to take us out. Now this is how they do Revelation. He takes us out in all these chapters about temples and all this. Is, is God going back to the old system and the old covenant and saving them that way. And then he's going to put Israel in a position where she can't say no. Now, I, I may have made a woman jealous to get another woman, but I ain't never tried to put her in, in a situation where she can't say no. <laughs> you know, I mean, come on, man. Just, you know, like the Godfather making an offer she can't refuse, you know. But, but uh, uh, that's basically what they, they said. Let me tell you something. There's always been one gospel. Amen. One plan of God to save his people. He showed it symbolically in the Old Testament of the coming of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ came, and you know what? Because Jesus Christ came, we don't need another sacrifice. He is our sacrifice. We don't need another priest. He is our high priest. And if we don't need a sacrifice and we don't need another priest, then we don't need the building to... Hey, if you're not going to slaughter animals, you don't need a butcher or a butcher shop. And we don't need a temple. We have the temple of God, Jesus Christ. And we are the temple of God on the earth. We're His dwelling place. We preach an everlasting gospel, an eternal gospel, not one that God keeps changing his mind and acts in response to man. Our gospel goes out and it is preached and it goes out to all the earth. And the Bible tells us in Matthew 24 that this gospel of the kingdom will be preached throughout all the earth. And the gospel, many times we look at the gospel and say that is just the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Well, The Bible talks about the gospel of God concerning his son, Jesus Christ. Let me tell you something. In a very real sense, all of God's word is the gospel. All of God's word is good news to man. And we have to start with where God starts, and that is the message of creation. Because if we, unless we have a creator, we don't have any obligation to this creator. And that's what he says here in verse 7, saying with a loud voice, fear God, give him glory, for the hour of his judgment has come. Worship that made heaven and earth and the sea and the fountains of waters. God made all things for his glory. 
And that includes us. The next thing that we see is this gospel is going to go out and it's going to be preached. But now we see the fall of Satan's kingdom, which he talked about in chapter 13, verse 8. And there followed another angel saying, Babylon is fallen. Now, why is he talking about Babylon? Again, he's speaking in coded language. You go all the way back to the Tyre of Babel. You look at the idolatry of the Tyre of Babel, mystery Babylon, that is the same idolatry that is carried through throughout all the planet, throughout all this planet, through all generations and all times. That's why you find people back in the farthest part of the jungles and everything. They still have the same type of idolatry as other pagans do. Why? Because it was scattered abroad. And just because they were isolated doesn't mean that it hasn't been handed down. But Babylon is expressly defined, is expressly in the great Babylon, is is pictured by Rome. Is fallen, is fallen. That great city, because she was made, she made all nations. She. Now, the, 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 the church is the virgin of the Lord. We find that in, in the, the people are the virgins of the Lord. We find that spiritually in the first chapter, these 144 in this uh couple first verses of the of the 14th chapter that we are likened spiritually to virgins those that follow mystery religion is tied to a whore she has made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication Speaking spiritually. Is there one institution that during the gospel age has caused every nation in the world to drink of her Babylonian idolatry? There's only one that I can think of, and that's the Catholic Church. The Catholic Church is the great whore of the book of Revelation. And notice this Happens in all nations of the earth. So Satan's kingdom has fallen here in verse 8 and 9. And we see that some, were, and then they goes on to worship the beast. Verse 9. The third angel followed them saying with a loud voice, if any man worship the beast and his image. Now someone said, what's the difference in the beast and the whore? Picturing the same thing with two different pictures. It's the same person. I believe the beast and the horror are the same thing. It's just given us two different aspects. She's seductive like a whore that'll leave you in spiritual fornication, but she can be as ferocious as a beast, a wild animal that will destroy you. She tries to seduce you in by kindness, but boy, I tell you what, if you turn her away, she'll, she'll, she's like a beast. The governmental aspect tortured you. And so whether by hook or by crook, <laughs> she's going to bring you in if you're lost. The image and receive his mark on his forehead or hand. Speaking about allegiance. Allegiance, mental allegiance. The same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God. She's made them drink of her idolatry and her spiritual whoredom. But God's going to make her drink and going to make them drink of the wrath of God. Which is poured out without mixture. He ain't going to lighten up. I mean, he is not going to lighten up. This wrath is without without mixture. And, uh, and he gives us some verses in your outline if you want to look at it to cross-reference. We're, we're not going to cross-reference all of these, but you have it there. Uh, uh, mixture into the cup of his indignation to ignite, to catch fire. And refers to anger. 
refers to a anger that consumes. And our God, the Bible, and the Bible says our God is a consuming fire. He gets someone says, we we've got a generation that thing that 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 preach a God that's sitting up in heaven. Oh my goodness, what am I going to do with them boys? What am I going to do? I just all want them to love me. I'm up here. I'm all lonely. I'm just uh, I'm being silly about it. But 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 uh, play. I've forgot his name, but. Uh, uh, Anyway, it's right there. It's a plagiarism. It's uh, uh, anyway, uh, one of the great Rome, what great as far as order is concerned. He came out with the idea. You know why God made man? Because he's lonely. He wanted fellowship with you, but nobody wants fellowship with you that can't be. You know, I mean, you don't want to force somebody at gunpoint like misery. You know, the movie misery. You know. Oh, but he gave you a free will so you can be with him. Let me tell you something. God ended up in heaven saying, oh, I wish they would do what I wanted them to do. I hope I don't have to come up with another plan. Uh, uh, no, 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 God. That's not the God of the Bible. He's not passively up in heaven wishing he could accomplish what he desires to accomplish. One of these days, he's coming in fire and wrath and indignation. Now, not everybody that believes election believes in that 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 uh, passive God. Now, one thing I can say about the old fundamentalists they they may have been off on free will versus man God's sovereignty, but they didn't present a begging, pleading Jesus. Not the original ones. They preached a God that was sitting in wrath and fury, and you better adhere. And so uh, you better adhere to him because he's coming in wrath and indignation and torment with fire and brimstone in the presence of his holy angels in the presence of the Lamb. We read this morning he's coming with his angels. And in another place we read that the angels are the, are the reapers. And the smoke of their torment ascendeth up. Look at this. Language, everlasting hell with the dragon forever and ever. And they have no rest day or night who worship the beast and his image and worship and receive the mark of his name. Now we see the patience of God's people. We, we see the patience of God's people. And this is, serves as an encouragement to us who are saved. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God. If a man love me, he will keep my commandments. And the faith of Jesus. Now, notice it didn't say faith in Jesus. It said the faith of Jesus. The life I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God. Doesn't say by faith in the Son of God. It says the life I am crucified with Christ, yet I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God. What's that? When you got when the Lord saved you, He gave you the gift of repentance and faith. And the faith that we exercise, if it's saving faith, is what God gave you. We're the faith of Jesus. Now, the faith of Jesus puts trust in Jesus, but let's let's not get the the, the source wrong. Because if you because one if one causes the other, it is positional, the gift of regeneration and faith. But they are patient, patient in tribulation and suffering. And I heard with a loud voice from heaven saying unto me, Right blessed are the dead which die in the Lord from henceforth. Yea, saith the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their works to follow them. We rest from our labors. We die in the Lord. I heard one old mount preacher 
who often used to say, we Christians pray more to keep God's people out of heaven than we do for God to save people from hell. We spend more time praying that the God that that the that the that the saved won't die and go to heaven than we do that God would save the lost. Heaven's our home, it's an eternal reward. But now I want to say this. One of the reasons why we're not going to be judged to the end works to follow them. I can make a whole lot of sermon. I can make a whole lot on that right there. Their works do follow them. That's good and bad. Let me tell you something. You don't you 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 live unto the Lord, you die unto the Lord. The things the things that you have done well and the things that you have done righteously and the things that you would do in faith, whether in your family, your friends, and your family. Those will continue to multiply. But the same is true of the other things. I, I read one time he was talking about a man who, who uh, tried to kill Jonathan Edwards. The famed preacher. How to kill, tried to kill Jonathan Edwards. And uh, he went to prison. And they gave a list of Jonathan Edwards' children and grandchildren. It was a list of children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, and so forth. You know, it was a list of governors and senators and Supreme Court justices and, 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 and bank presidents and college presidents. His works to, your works to follow you. And that old man that tried to kill him, it was, it was, man, it was a criminal rap sheet from generation to generation. Now, I'm not, I'm not pronouncing cursings and blessings and all that. But let me tell you something. What you do in this lifetime continues to roll. You win someone to the Lord. You, you I, I, I've run into people. I have run into people left and right and have talked to me about, uh, oh, you went to Ashland Avenue. Yeah, yeah. Did you? I, I ran into a boy right before I came down here, about 25 years old. Did you know Clarence Walker? I said, son, how old do you think I am? Man died in 68. I wasn't born to 72. Yeah, but you went to church there. Yeah, I went to church there. Let me ask you this if you know this, if you know this, if you know this, if you know this. Boy, it's 24 years old studying for the ministry. You know why? Your works follow you. Your works follow you. They really do. I've, I've, I've just I've run into people and just generation after generation after generation that they that they talked. I told you about the young man who came and, and wanted to see my mom, who's pastoring a church up in Dayton, Ohio. He hadn't seen her since she was eight years old. Pastoring a church in Dayton, Ohio, with about a thousand fifteen hundred people. He said I was coming through Lexington, and I had heard that. That stopped at the college where my dad was and said, I heard you married Betty Neese. And he said, I did marry Betty Neese. And he said, Can I see Betty Neese? And, and he said, Betty Jeffries now. And he said, Okay. And he said, I want you to get a passion for about 20 years. And said, You want me to the Lord at a vacation Bible school? Now we're just talking humanistically. How many men do you think that man have won to the Lord? And then those, how many of those? Your works follow you. That's why we're not going to be judged for gains. We're, the dead have been dead for 500 years. They're not judged right now as to loss and gain. They'll be judged at the end of the time. It, their works follow them. I made more out of that than I thought I was going to, but uh, and look and I behold a white cloud. Now, now we get into the description of the rapture. I believe now we use the word rapture. The word rapture is not found in the Bible, but the word rapture means to be caught away. Well, if by rapture you mean Called away and nobody sees it. No, but we're going to be called away. 
Actually, the word rapture comes from, is close to the word raptor. What do you mean? The, let me give you the etymology of the word. Have you you've seen those, those, those birds that, that go through and they come down and they snatch up a fish? That's a raptor. It's a raptor bird. And the word is close to a rapture. And that's what, now the Lord ain't a bird going to snatch up a fish. But where that word began is one of these days, he's swooping and he's pulling us out. He's, he's catching us away. And so, verse 14, And I looked, and behold, a white cloud, and, and upon the cloud one set like unto the Son of Man, having on his head a golden crown, and in his hand a sharp sickle. Sickle, that, that which is a harvesting tool. And another ca angel came out of the temple crying, hold on, what temple? The temple that's been in the book of Revelation since we've been in chapter 4. The dwelling place of God. No. He was like, well this temple's on earth. This temple's in heaven. And they have, they have uh, you'd be surprised at how many brilliant preachers who know the Greek and the English far better than I completely lose their brain on antecedents and causes and, 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 and verbs and adjectives and pronouns when it comes to the book of Revelation. This temple's the same temple. He ain't introduced the new temple. It's where the 144,000 are. Yeah. It's the one that John measured. It's the people of God. It's heaven. It's the dwelling place of God. I remember one part of a class one time, someone, some young preacher said, Brother Overby, I want to show you something. I didn't really know it, but I would be taught a historic view and this young man, he, he, he said, see right here, here's a newspaper article. There, they found a red heifer. Brother Thompson said, and some of you die, I haven't said Brother Thompson said, that's insulting. All right, so uh, 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 they found a red heifer. So now they can do sacrifice over there. It's not a red heifer. He read the article. He looked at the article. He said, I'm going to show you an article tomorrow. Now, this was in the early 90s, and he came back with one published in 1964 and handed it to him. And he said, that article's been recycled under so many different names through the whole years. Read that thing. First time I saw that thing was in 1964. And by the way, just bring out a little point, a little side note here. To have, to have a sacrifice, you have to have a Levitical priest. You're not even allowed to touch the Ark of the Covenant unless you're a Levitical priest. Ahio tried to, to touch, to stable the Ark of the Covenant when it was sliding off the, off the cart and he died immediately because he was not a Levitical priest. You cannot go back at what he's saying, Brother Rob. Their tribe has their tribes have been lost for near two thousand years now. Go ahead. Next time you come into a Jew, a full-blooded Jew, and I believe they exist, but ask them, what tribe are you a part of? They'll look at you like you like your cheese has slid off your cracker. Well, what do you mean what tribe am I part of? I'm not Indian. I'm I'm a I'm a I'm a Hebrew. Yeah, I know you're from the tribe of Dan. From the tribe of you've got to have a descendant. Not only must you have the Levitical priest, but you must have a physical descendant that can prove the Levitical line all the way back to Aaron. And if you had one, Hebrews have told you that the that the order of Aaron has ended. So. 
if they if they if they did have a temple and a beast, they wouldn't have anybody who could sacrifice. Not according to God's law. And if you did, God said the order ended. Someone asked me, well, what, what, what if they ever do build a temple over there? So, it ain't going to be under God. It ain't going to be un, under God. We see the, the, the rapture here of the saved. He sat on the cloud. He put the sickle in. Came out of the temple and another angel came out from the altar which had power over fire and cried with a loud cry to him that had the sharp sickle saying thrust in the sickle and gather the clusters of the vine of the earth for the grapes are fully ripe. I remember Brother Range, one thing he used to say is that wrath of God, every now and then he, he liked to plant tomatoes. I, I like fresh tomatoes too. Y'all's tomatoes down here are different than our tomatoes. Y'all's is sweet. Ours is acidy. It's just a difference in soil. Ours got more bite. Y'all's are a lot sweeter than ours. This is true. You eat a tomato from Kentucky, you, uh, hey, y'all got to eat a bunch. Of, uh, when I was a kid, I know y'all get the canker sores from eating too many up there. You ain't got to too many down here. You ain't got to eat too many up there to get those things. But 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 every now and then that, that, that tomato gets so full it starts bursting and overflowing. That's the way the wrath of God is. When's it going to happen? When his wrath is full. It's bursting and it's overflowing. And when the iniquity of the earth is full it's, it's like a grape that is full. It's ripe. It's, 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 it's ripe for the, for, to be pulled. So we see here that, that in these other verses, he's coming as in the clouds. Now the Bible says he's coming in the clouds. The Bible says he's coming with angels. He's going to pull us up out of here. And then what happens when he pulls us out of here? He's thrusting in the, the sickle. He's coming to judge the lost. If your second coming doesn't have a judgment of the lost immediately at his return, then it's not a biblical second coming. People like to break down the coming into two different aspects. No, there's one second coming. He said, well, he just appeared. In the first. And then he comes to the earth in the second. And they'll, and they'll say, This is oh, okay. But according to their theology, he just appears and we all go poof and we're out of here. And then we have the Antichrist of man. But even if what they're saying is halfway true, we don't have the wrath of man here, we got the wrath of God. Let me tell you something. The second coming is Jesus appearing. We're caught up. The wrath is coming down. He's already pictured that. He said, he's told the angels earlier, you go and you do and you give harmony to the earth. But not until the 144,000 is sealed and delivered. Then my wrath falls on the earth. He comes in a cloud and we're caught up with him in a cloud. Then his wrath comes. Hey. As we're going up, his wrath is coming down. And then we're changed. Where are we changed? Well, look with me in the book of Thessalonians. Look in 1 Thessalonians. Chapter 4. Verse 16. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the 
and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. We're going to be changed in the air. We're going to be caught up. And so here's these clouds. We're caught up. The wrath of God is falling down upon this earth. And look at this wrath described here is, is, is fully ripe vine precious, bursting and ripe. Verse 19, And the angel thrust in the sickle in the earth and gathered the vine of the earth and cast it into the great wine press of the wrath of God. You know, in that day, they, they, they had that big bat and, and, and uh, you know, I never drank it. But, but I, I, I see, uh, I see uh, going through the grocery store, I see those wine bottles with a picture of feet on it. You ever see those wine bottles with a picture of foot on it? Yes. <laughs> and that's what they do. They, they walk around in that wine press. That's the way they used to do it. And they, you know, stamp out and squish those grapes. And then that, that, that stuff juices up. He's going to put his wrath. He's, he's already said he's going to put his enemies under his feet. He's going to trod them underfoot. He's going to put them underfoot. It's just a picture of stamping them out and crushing them personally. He's going to crush them. His angels are his reapers and they're going to crush it's just a picture of the wrath. I mean, can you imagine in that day coming up out of that wine press and you cover from head to toe when you drink? That's another reason why you ought to let it ferment. Can you imagine how many germs are in that thing until it ferments out? You know, fermentation is a cleansing process. Alright? You know? Whew. I don't think I'd want to drink fresh squeezed grape juice because fresh squeezed grape juice isn't squeezed like an orange. It's, it's, you know, I'm I'm not a big person on feet. You know what I'm saying? Get them feet off me. You know what I'm saying? Uh, 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 uh. Oh, yes. You know, Lord's going to crush them with his feet. It's, it's not literal, but it's symbolic of crushing. The wine press was trodden. Trodden, that, there it is, pressed underfoot. Without the city. What does it mean without the city? He's already, he's already given that picture back in... Uh, I believe it's chapter 11. Let me go back. No. No. But I'm not going to search for it right now. When he comes down and he measures the city, but then he says, don't measure the, the court without the city. Those are those that are just associated with it. And so don't don't do it. The city, what is the city? It's the people of God. It's the people of God. Now, growing up, my Pepal, that's what we call them, Pepal. And Mamaw lived in Glasgow, Kentucky, which is close to Bowling Green, Kentucky. Oh, Hour at the most from Nashville. Over by Mammoth Cave, close to Bowling Green. Anyway, in Glasgow, Kentucky, or Bowling Green, Kentucky. And when we were kids, uh, one of the things that we would do is we'd ride the sky lift up to Gunsmoke Mountain. And they built this little thing up there, and they all went around shooting each other and all this. I got in trouble with Gunsmoke Mountain, uh, you know, for setting off firecrackers in the middle of one of their play uh, 
uh, gunfights, and literally, and boy, you watched them jump, man. Now, I knew someone, I won't say who, and it wasn't me, but I was related to it, who someone dared him to throw firecrackers over the balcony of a church during service, but he didn't get it over the balcony, it bounced back in, and man, why? You thought they'd trampled everything out in the world, you know. Kids have been doing mischievous things since. Uh, where was my point? Because y'all were tired and sugared out. My point is, you've been in these towns that are like ghost towns. I saw a thing the other day of of, uh, of this ghost subdivision. What do I mean by that? I don't mean that there's ghosts that live there. And by the way, that's a, we're going to be dealing. We've already got two and we've already got two people ask questions on the series. You asked for it. I need more. But uh, uh, they were built, but then the financial crisis hit at the end of the Bush administration, so the houses were never funded. So you've got built houses. Mansions that have been sitting there <coughs> since 2008-2009 that the banks own. They can't do anything with them. Some of them are half there. There is no city without the people. The people make <coughs> the city. And that is abundantly clear in the book of Revelation, that when he refers to the city, he's not referring to buildings, he's referring to people. And in that day where you'd have different things happen, people would flee certain cities, more so than today. Maybe maybe disease hit a city. And you'd come through and you'd look around and God, I get everything else. Well, and pretty new. Why, why'd they leave? Well, for many different reasons. They would flee cities. And you would have these ghost type cities, different places. I'm illustrating that it's not the buildings, it's not the houses, it's not the streets, it's not the wells, and it's it's the it's the people. And these, and these are tread out that are not a part of the city of God, the people of God. And blood came out of the winepress, even unto the horse's bridle. Now, I have heard some of the craziest. I saw a TikTok the other day with, with Dr. Hogjaws. I mean, I always, uh, that's what in Kentucky we call uh, uh, Dr. Overlearned. And, and he said, well, people have been asking me for years about the Battle of Armageddon and said it ain't gonna, and said uh, they ain't gonna have horses in that day. For 25 years I've been preaching we will have horses. I didn't know how we were gonna have horses. I just took it by faith. And I found out if these gas prices get any higher, we'll be waging battle with horses. Now this guy's got millions of followers. Now, if you feed the suspicion and the ignorance of men and approach the Bible like a mystery novel, you know, line up for you. But you, you, you do try to do some sound exegete, and God will bless. But and that's I'd, I'd rather have I'd rather have twenty of God's people than two thousand in a carnival. I'd rather have twenty sheep than two thousand goats. Unto the horses brought up by the space of 1,600 furlongs. And we're not going to go into all that. But we see the wrath of God's tribulation upon the people. And when I, I'm telling you. And now some people want to argue about how long that lasts. I don't know how long that lasts. The Lord knows how long does that last. Some people, some, some that, 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 that are in my camp as a historic premillennial, some say that wrath of God, not the wrath of man, the tribulation of God, what we're describing. Some say it's instantaneous. It's, it's, it's a day. It's a couple of days. And some say it could be up to a couple of years. They don't dogmatically say. 
It's a, a couple years. They just say it could be up to a couple years. I don't know. But I do know this. I'm glad I'm not going to be a part of the group that's going to be counting the days between the times that the people of God go up and the wrath come down to when the Lord comes back. There's some verses that make it sound like it's an immediate happening. There's some verses that give a lot of detail that you're like, that's got to take more than a day. Now, I don't think it's going to take a year, but I don't. Th- I think it's going to be a little longer than a day because we got so much detail here, and I don't know. But again, that's not the point. The point of the chapter is you don't want to be standing in that day when the wrath of God comes in. And we thank God that we're a part that are going to be changed in the moment in the twinkling of an eye. We'll be raptured, caught away, and we'll meet the Lord in the clouds. We'll meet Him in the air. We'll be changed and we'll forever be with the Lord. History. Hey, people look at it now and say, look at Rome, look at Rome, look at Rome, look at Rome. I saw a thing the other day. I'll finish on this and Maybe some of y'all see it sometimes. I saw a thing the other day, and it was this different thing about how uh, a lot of the Jewish bankers through the years have been blamed for a lot of uh, things that have happened in Europe. And so, America, uh, you know, uh, that's easy to peddle to the masses. But do you know what bank holds more money than any other bank in Europe? The Vatican Bank. The Vatican Bank. Don't get me started on Rome. But one day, Mystery Babylon is going to fall. 